together. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 34. 2 Chronicles 34. And I want to minister something to you that I believe has everything to do with this coming year and getting ready to step into this new school year. Let me read a few verses to you, then we'll pray over this. 2 Chronicles chapter 34. The Bible says in verse 1, talking to us about a king named Josiah. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. I know some eight-year-olds who think they're king. <laughs> Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left, for the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. I want to talk some more about this. Let's pray together and release faith over this word today. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you this morning. We thank you so much for your word. We believe your word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And we open up our eyes today to see into it. We open up our ears to hear not just a man's voice, but your voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit who speaks to us and reveals your word to us. Thank you, Lord, for the voice of the good shepherd that, that lives big on the inside of us, who calls us by name and leads us out. Out of whatever we're in that we need out of, Jesus, you are the good shepherd who leads the way. We thank you once again that your word is a firm foundation beneath our feet. And we rejoice this morning at your word like somebody who's found a great treasure. It is a great treasure to us. Lord, you've begun something good in us. We call you faithful to finish it because you are the author and the finisher of our faith. We love you and we thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many of you kids are excited about school? That's exactly what I thought. How many parents are excited about school starting? Yes, in Jesus' name, so good. Well, we're excited about it. I believe God's got some good things in store for us. Something came strong in my heart over the last few days, though, thinking about not just this school year, but just our lives from today for as long as we're on this earth. And Jesus said in the book of John chapter 10, that he did come, that you and I might have and enjoy life. He said, I came that you'd have life and have it how, church? More abundantly. Those words more abundantly mean to the full until it overflows. That's the kind of life that Jesus came to give us. And other translations talk more about what he meant. He said, I came that you'd, ha that you'd have life, that you would enjoy life, have so much life that, that your life's not enough to contain it. It overflows out of you and it starts spilling out onto the people around you. That's your ministry. When you are so full of Jesus, so full of his grace, so full of his word, so full of his love, so full of his truth, that it overflows out of you and starts getting on other people. You're a minister. You're a minister. And the truth is, that's what the world around us is in need of. And you are either full of Jesus or you are full of yourself. Now, you might be fine and dandy,
but the world around you is not in need of more of you. They are in need of more of him. They need us full and overflowing with ourselves, with our opinions, with our thoughts. No, they need us full and overflowing with him. That's the kind of life he came to give us, a life more abundantly. But in that same verse, he identified for us that there is a thief in this world. He said, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I've come that you'd have life and have it more abundantly. You and I, as much as we are called to live this life and live it full to the full till it overflows, have life and enjoy it, we must always, and I hope you're paying attention, we must always be on guard. We must always be on guard. Why? Because there's a thief in this world. You have an enemy. The Bible tells us and talks to us about the enemy of our soul and that we are not supposed to be ignorant of his devices. Now, I think there's a lot of people that would just rather pretend the devil doesn't exist. And if I just pretend he doesn't exist, that'll keep him off of me. That's not how this works. You and I need to be on guard. Somebody say on guard. And our young people, our children going back to their schools, elementary schools, high schools, even those going back into college, you guys need to live your life on guard. Yes, Jesus came that you'd have life, enjoy life. Yes, we are supposed to be living the blessed life, the full life, the overflowing life. And we are also supposed to be living how? On guard. Not ignorant of the devil's devices. We've got to learn to to recognize him, identify him. And we do that by knowing the tactic, the tactics that he uses against us. And as I sought the Lord about this, what came so strong to my heart is one of the main tactics that Satan uses, particularly with our children, is he will come and he will tell them, not yet. You're too little. You're too young. Not yet. He'll tell that to them. God can't use somebody that little. God doesn't talk to somebody that young. And he will tell them, not yet, not yet, not yet. Why does he do that? Because he is a minimizer. He is the enemy who makes things feel insignificant and he tries to make people feel minimized and insignificant. And he starts when our kids are young and he's telling them over and over, nope, nope, not yet. God can't use you yet. God doesn't talk to you yet. You're too little. You're too young. And he will do that. He will whisper that in somebody's ear year after year after year. And he'll do that while they're young until they get into their teenage years. And he'll say, you know what? You're a little older now, but still not yet. No, teenagers. God doesn't really use teenagers. He really uses more like grown-ups, more, more adult age. So you just wait a few more years. Not yet, not yet. Too little, too young. And anybody who will listen to that, he will tell you that for as long as you will listen to it. Into your 20s, you know what he'll be telling you? Oh, no, not yet. God can't use you just yet. You just need some more time. Not yet, not yet. 
And if you listen to that through your 20s, guess what he'll be telling you in your 30s? Oh, you're almost there, but not yet, not yet, not yet. And anyone who will listen to that for any length of time, there will come a time in their lives where the enemy will stop saying not yet, too young, and you know what he'll start saying? Oh, too late. Too old. You missed it. Your opportunity's gone. That window has closed. He's constantly telling people, not yet too young or too late, too old. Do I have any adults in here that would be bold and, and, and raise a hand as a witness that you've heard that lie told to you before? Oh, you missed it. You're too young that, or you're too old. That time has passed. You can't do that anymore. I'm going to tell you something. He's a liar. I said, he's a liar. And I'm going to prove to you from the word this morning over these next few minutes that you are not too young and you are not too old. It is not too soon and it's never too late to be used by God. Amen. Let's look at this in the life of this man that we're reading about. This king named Josiah. Back up to verse one. What did we read about him? Josiah was eight years old when he became king. That's young. That is young to be named king. Now, I'm not talking to our young people today about hearing Pastor Jeremy and going home and said, all right, I'm now the king of this house. You heard him. You heard the man, mom, dad, I'm the king. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But who is a king? What is a king? That's somebody who reigns in authority. That's somebody who occupies the highest place of authority in the kingdom, the king's domain. And what I'm telling you this morning, young people, our kids going back into elementary school, those of you going back into high school and college, this is the word of the Lord to you today. You are not too young to start walking in your spiritual authority. You're not too young. I want to hear my kids say it. I'm not too young. Come on, shout it out, kids. I'm not too young. Satan would love for you to believe that you are too young to start walking in your God-given authority. But I don't care how old you are. If Jesus has come into your heart, the Bible says you reign in this life as a king, as a queen in authority. And you are not too young to start walking in your own spiritual authority. You know why? Because you've been given the name of Jesus. And that name has power. That name has authority. And parents, what you and I are tasked to do by God is raise these young people in a household, in an environment of faith where they come to know at a very young age who they are in Jesus, who Jesus is in them, and the authority that God has given them in the name of Jesus. Now listen, fair warning. If you, if you make the decision to raise your child in an environment like that, you're going to hear it coming back at you. I know years ago, Sarah and I were on our way to an appointment. We had Justice with us. Justice, who's now 13. Now how that little seed has grown. He was probably four years old, and he was sitting in the back seat in the car seat. We were headed to an appointment, running behind, so we called in a food order. Going to pick it up at the restaurant. 
I pull up to the restaurant, go inside, get the food, bring it back, hand it to Sarah. I'm driving down the road. She's handing everybody their food. Well, she hands Justice her, his food as well. And we're driving and pray over the food. Thank you, Lord, for this food. We bless it in Jesus' name. Well, just about a minute or so later, out of the back seat, we hear this little four-year-old voice say, grilled cheese, you cool down now in Jesus' name. <laughs> if your four-year-old gives the faith command to a grilled cheese sandwich, you know you're raising a family in a different kind of house. But that's, those are the types of things that they pick up. Those are the types of things they begin to start walking in. And you know, it didn't stop there, and it's not supposed to stop there. These testimonies that we read today, that Sarah ministered to us about our young people, believe in God for healing. You know, you can do that, young boy, young man, young woman. You can do that, little girl. You can believe God. You've got your own God. You've got your own relationship with him. You've got your own faith in Jesus. And you can say to the spirit of fear when it tries to creep into your room at night, you can say, I resist you, spirit of fear. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. You don't have to go crying to mom and dad every time you get some feeling of fear. You can rise up. You can be strong. You can speak to it like a king, like a queen, because it is not too soon and you are not too young to start walking in your God-given authority. Somebody say amen if you believe it. You can resist that fear. When you feel symptoms of sickness come on your body, you don't have to go get mom and dad to fix it. Now, they'll be in agreement with you, and that's good. But you, as a young man, a young woman, can release your own faith. God has given you authority over that. And you can reign as a king. It's not too soon, and you're not too young. Josiah was made king when he was eight years old. Somebody say, not too soon, not too young. Now, verse two says, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and he walked in the ways of his father, David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. This is talking to us about a young man. The Bible says he walked in the ways of his father, David. Now, David was not his Father, David was his great, 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 great something grandfather. And the fact is, if you go back and read these scriptures, Josiah's father and, and for many generations before him, they weren't walking in the ways of God. This young man had a different heart on the inside of him. And he walked in the ways. You could actually say he walked in the same anointing. He walked in the same call of God that his father David had. And even as a young man, he began to discover what that call was on his life. And the Bible says he walked in those ways and he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You know what that tells me? It tells me it's not too soon and you are not too young to start right now finding out what God has called and created you to be. It's not too soon. You don't have to wait decades and decades to find out why you're on this planet. 
Do you realize that most people don't have a clue what their life is about? And that's why you hear them say things, I just wish I knew what I was here for. I just wish I knew what my life was all about. You could be eight years old right now and starting to get a glimpse of it. Moms, dads, grandparents, this is our job. This is our job to raise our kids in an environment where they can begin to discover what God has called them to be, what God has called them to do. It's not too soon, and they are not too young to start right now getting a glimpse of what God's created them for. Amen? Amen? And did you notice that the Bible said Josiah didn't turn to the right hand or, the, or to the left? What does that tell us? He wasn't easily distracted. You and I, young people, listen to me, we're living in a world and there, every day there are millions of distractions all around us. You know what a distraction is? It's just simply something that's trying to convince you that it's more important than it really is. But Josiah, even as a young boy, got a glimpse of what God had called him to do. And he didn't turn from it to the right hand or to the left. You and I, we don't have to live distracted in this world. We don't have to let everything pull us off course. But it requires some discipline. It requires some focus. And we're going to have to be on guard because Satan is a master of distraction. And this is what he's trying to do in people's lives all day, every day, all over the world. Get them to look over here and get them to look over there. Get them to look anywhere except where God's called them to go. But our young people, and I'll go ahead and declare it right now in Jesus' name, that the young people of Legacy Church are not easily distracted. They know who they are in him. They know what they're called to do and finding out more and more every day about what God has put them on this earth to do. And as they're finding that out, there is a supernatural focus that's rising up on the inside of them. Amen? Amen? Amen. Man, I remember being a kid and I had a, in my room at my house, my parents had put a desk in there for me to do homework. But on top of that desk was a large mirror and that's, that was the mirror I got ready in every day. But I found it really hard in the afternoons after school when I come and I sit down and do my homework, I would get so distracted by that mirror and I would just practice faces and <laughs> all kinds of things in the mirror. That's a silly distraction, right? Yes. But there are all kinds of things. And listen to me, young people, you've got more distractions available to you today than I ever had, than your mom and dad ever had but you got the same Holy Ghost living on the inside of you that can help you focus and find out who God's called you to be, what God's called you to do. I remember as a teenager, when I heard the voice of the Lord, I don't mean it with my natural ears, but on the inside, in my heart, I remember where I was when I heard him say to me, I'm calling you to be a youth pastor. And I was probably 14 years old when I heard that. That's not too young. That's not too soon. But do you know where I was when I heard that? I was not sitting on the couch watching television. I was not playing video games. I was in the right place at the right time. I was doing the right thing with the right people. I was in the right environment where God could speak that to me. I know exactly where I was. I was in church. 
I was in church in a youth service and the youth ministers that were ministering, I had great respect for them. I valued what they were saying to me and it was in that environment that the Lord could speak to me and say, this is what I've called you to. And you know, that's exactly what I gave my life to do. I served my mom and dad in their church and I was the youth pastor of that church. That's what I was doing when I met Sarah. And when she and I got married, we youth pastored together for several years. Now that was not the ultimate end of the call of God on our lives, but without that time, I wouldn't be standing here today. I wouldn't be looking at you today. Everything and every step that we take in life is foundation for the next step, the next step, the next step. Young people, you don't have to know today everything you're gonna do for the rest of your life, but you can begin to get a glimpse of what's he wants you to do tomorrow. What's God wants you to do with your life tomorrow? What steps are you taking into tomorrow? And it will build foundation. Somebody say, I'm not too young. And it's not too soon. You can find out what God has called you to do. Keep reading here. It says in verse three, in the eighth year of his reign. Okay, so somebody help me out. How old would Josiah have been by verse three? If he started reigning at age eight, eight years in, he would be 16. I'm just getting you warmed up for school. It's coming up. Be ready. So when he's 16 years old, it says, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. What does that tell us? It's not too soon. And you are not too young to start seeking God. And I mean seeking God on your own. It's good to grow up in a family where mom and dad teach you how to pray and teach you how to seek God and will read the word with you. But it is not too soon, and you are not too young to start seeking him for yourself. Now, I'm going to give you two big keys that are going to help you seek God. And these are going to sound radical to you. These are going to sound extreme, but I'm just going to give them to you. Can you handle it? If you will do these two things, you will begin seeking God. And the other translation of the scripture said he sought God and he began to yearn for him. If you'll do these two crazy radical things, it'll change your life and your relationship with God. You ready for the first one? Read your Bible. I know, I know it's crazy. It's extreme. But if you will read your Bible, And I mean like every day. If you'll read your Bible, you'll begin to find out who God is. And if you'll read your Bible, you won't believe lies about who God is. Because you'll be getting the truth on the inside of you. This is how you start seeking God. You open up your Bible. And you read it every day. Here at Legacy, we read our Bible. We read the same chapter together every single day. Not the same one, but you understand what I mean. We have a Bible reading plan that you can jump on board with us in. Our kids read the same chapter that we're on every single day, Monday through Friday. And no matter what we're doing, we make sure that happens. This is how you begin to seek God. And people are always wanting to hear the voice of God. I want to hear God speak. 
And you even hear people say things like, I just never hear him. I can't hear him. I just feel like God is so distant. You can hear him every single day without fail if you'll open your Bible and read. And I'm not telling you you got to read for hours and hours and hours every day, but just every day, set your eyes on the Word of God. Why? Because it's alive. It's living. It's sharp. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And this is how you seek Him. I told you I'd give you two things. Number one, what is it? Read your Bible. And here's the second one, and this is even crazier than the first one. Pray. Read your Bible and pray every day. When I used to serve my parents when I was much younger, I served in the children's ministry at our church. And we used to sing a song in the children's church that went, read your Bible and pray every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. Don't read your Bible and you forget to pray, you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. That's some deep theology right there, isn't it? But I'm going to tell you something. It's the truth. If you will read your Bible and pray every day, what's going to happen? You're going to grow. Your relationship with God is going to begin to thrive and you'll be able to hear his voice when you need to hear it the most. And you won't be confused when other people are confused. You'll have clarity. You'll have direction. You won't be making mistakes. There's going to come a time when you begin to enter into relationships with people and you won't spend wasted time in the wrong relationship. Come on, some adult in here, help me out and, and back me up on this. Would you not have liked to have just like not wasted all that time? with the wrong one, the wrong boy, the wrong girl. How do we avoid that? Read your Bible and pray every day. You are not too young and it is not too soon for you to start seeking God. I want you to skip down now and finally let's look at this together. In 2 Chronicles chapter 34, still talking about Josiah, look at verse 14. He's a bit older now. If you do the math, he's, he's probably getting close to 30 years old. So still not old, but older than he was. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 34 verse 14, Now when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord... Let me give you a little backstory here. Josiah got it strong in his heart to rebuild the house of God. He loved God and the things of God so much that he didn't want to see the house of the Lord in ruins and disrepair. So he put a lot of money into it and he commissioned people to get this house rebuilt. And it says, now they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord. Hilkiah, the priest, found the book of the law. He found it. He didn't find a Bible, he found the Bible. He found the book of the law that the Lord had given by Moses. See, the word of God, that's all they had. That's all the word of God was at that time. It was the law that God had given to Moses. And it had been lost. It was in the temple, the temple got destroyed, and it had been lost. The word of God had been lost. But they found it, Hilkiah found it. And then Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law. I found the word of God. I found the Bible. 
in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, so Shaphan carried the book to the king, bringing the king word, saying, All that was committed to your servants they are doing. And they have gathered the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered it to the hand of the overseers and the workmen. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Verse 19, thus it happened when the king heard the words of the law, when the king heard the word of God, he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded Hilkiah, Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, Abaddon, the son of Micah, Shaphan, the scribe, and Isaiah, the servant of the king, saying, go inquire of the Lord for me and for those who are left in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. What's going on here? Josiah's got a heart for God. He's seeking God with all his heart and in every way he knows how. But the only thing he was missing was God's word. The word was missing. It had been, it, it had been covered and hidden for years. And this is a big part of the reason the generations before them weren't walking according to the ways of God. And when they found the word of God, they brought it back to the king and they read it to him. Do you notice what he did? He tore his clothes. This is a sign of repentance. This is a sign before the Lord of humbling himself. Why? He's just found the word of God and he found out we have not been living the way God's word commanded us and instructed us to live. And notice what he did. He said, go inquire of the Lord. See, he didn't have the Holy Spirit living in him. He had to send somebody to go talk to the prophet Actually, it was a prophetess and said, go find out, go find out if all this is coming on us because God gave his people his word and his law. And he said, look, if you keep it, there's a blessing coming on you. If you don't keep it, curses coming on you. And he repented and they, they went and they inquired, go down to around uh, verse 23. This is the prophetess speaking. And she answered them and said, thus says the Lord God of Israel, tell the man who sent you to me, thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants and all the curse, curses that are written in this book, which they have read before the king of Judah, because they've forsaken me and burned incense to other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will be poured out on this place and not be quenched. This is serious stuff. But look at verse 26. But as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, in this manner you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, concerning the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender. Listen, because your heart was what? Tender. And you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants and you humbled yourself before me and you tore your clothes and you wept before me, I also have heard you, says the Lord. Surely I will gather you to your fathers. You will be gathered to your grave in peace and your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I'll bring on this place and its inhabitants. So they brought back word to the king. Here's what I want you to see. When Josiah was eight years old and he decided it is not too soon and I am not too young 
to start seeking God. It set his life on a path, on a course. And what he didn't know was that decades later, judgment was about to fall on the nation and all the people. But because his heart was on the right path, and because it started all those years ago, when he heard the word of God and he was quick to repent, it saved his life. There's a lot of people that have suffered from heart conditions that have taken their lives. This is a heart condition that'll save your life. What condition is that? A tender heart. A tender heart that is quick to repent. And I'm saying this to our young people, but guess what, everybody else? You are not too old, and it is not too late to humble yourself. Let your heart be tender again to the things of God. And be quick to repent. What's that mean? It means don't let time go by. Man, when you know you've missed it, and you know you've done something that wasn't right, it wasn't pleasing in the sight of God, don't let days go by. Don't let weeks go by. Be quick to repent. Let your heart be tender, easily touched. When you come across something in the Word of God and it corrects you, it directs you, be quick to say, Lord, I missed it, and I repent, and I receive your forgiveness and the cleansing of the blood of Jesus. Young people, you're not too young. You're not too young and it is not too soon to let the Holy Spirit deal with you and tell you, uh-uh, uh-uh, this is not the place I want you in. This is not the time you're supposed to be here. These are not the people I want you to do in life with. And when the Spirit of God speaks to you, what should you do? You should put it off a few days, right? No, you should be what? Quick, quick to repent. Why? It will save your life. And we started telling our kids this years ago, we would pray it with them at night. We believe that you're going to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people. And we started training them knowing there was a day coming that they wouldn't be little anymore. That there would be days that they were a little further away from us than they used to be when they were little ones. That they'd be out with friends or they'd be at an event or at school and we wouldn't be right there watching over them. So we're teaching them, check your heart. Check your heart. Just every now and again, when you're away from home, away from mom and dad, check your heart and ask yourself these questions. Am I in the right place at the right time? Am I doing the right thing? And are these the right people? And we told them, we trained them. We said, listen, if you will ask yourself those questions and if you'll be honest, if the answer to any of them is ever no, come home. Come home. Because home is the right place. But we're training them because that day is coming. Our young people are growing up. These seeds are growing up. And there's a day coming where they're going to be away from your reach. And I know moms, I know dads, you'd love to wrap them in bubble wrap and stick a football helmet on them every day before they go out the door to school. You can't do it though. And as much as you try to naturally protect them, you can't do it the way God can. 
You can't do it the way only God can. Only God can perfectly protect our children. But part of that protection is teaching them and training them to have a listening ear to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Young people, listen to me. You are not too young, and it is not too soon for you to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You can be eight years old and know if you're in the right place at the right time. You can be 18 years old and know if you're doing the right thing with the wrong people or the wrong thing. Did I get that wrong? The right thing with the right people or the wrong thing with the wrong people. Why is that so important? Because it will save your life. Amen. Let's do this together. Let's stand up. We're going to pray over our young people today. And this is probably one of the most important things we'll do today. I know we're getting ready to fellowship and have a good time with one another. But what we're about to do right now in releasing faith over them and their school year coming up, I believe this is going to be the difference between them having a successful year, a prosperous year, or a challenging and difficult year. We want our young people to thrive. Amen? Amen. Kids, listen to me. You need to know one thing above all else. God loves you. He loves you. You need to know this. Mom and dad love you. And you need to know this. Your church, your church family, your pastors, we love you. And this is a safe place for you. And if you ever find yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time, doing the wrong thing with the wrong people, what should you do? Come home. Come home to faith. Come home to family. Come home to God. Amen. So moms and dads, if you've got your young ones there with you, I want you to reach out and put a hand on them. And I'm going to lead us in prayer right now. And like I've already said, we're going to release faith over these guys. And we are going to have exactly what we believe God to have. Nothing short of it. Thank you, Lord. Father, we come before you this morning in the name of Jesus. And we come before your throne of grace. We come boldly before your throne of grace. Your throne of grace is where we receive mercy. It's where we receive grace to help in a time of need. And Father, we come today to receive all the grace and all the help that our young people need to have a successful and prosperous year at school and in everything they set their hand to do. We lay hold of it right now on the authority of your word and by the leadership of your spirit, we lay hold on all that grace. We pray over these young people right now and we declare in Jesus' name that from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet, the life of God is at work in them. The love of God is being shed abroad in their hearts by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I believe that they are called to live life and to live it more abundantly, to have life to the full till it overflows, that they would enjoy this life, that they would enjoy this year. And while other kids dread going to school, our kids look forward to it because they're succeeding in it and they're prospering in it. 
But I ask you, Lord, for the ministry of the Holy Spirit to rise up big on the inside of them, that every one of them would also live life on guard, on guard against the the enemy, on guard against his tactics. I say in Jesus' name, our children are not easily deceived. They've got the word of God on the inside of them. They've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them, and they know the truth when they hear it, and they believe the truth, and they walk in the truth. The children of Legacy Church, our young people, know the truth, believe the truth, and walk in the truth. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, now I pray over their protection. And Lord, these are our treasures. These little ones are treasures. They are gifts from you to us. And nothing is more valuable to us than them and their lives. But your word says you are able to keep whatever we commit to you. Lord, we know that we cannot perfectly protect them. We know that our worry does not protect them. Our anxiety does not protect them. But our faith in you will. So right now we cast all the care of their lives, their safety, their protection. We cast it onto you. Moms, dads, listen. Don't carry that care. Don't carry that anxiety. Cast it and do it every day if you have to. Wake up every day and before they walk out that door, cast all your care about their protection over onto him because he cares for them more than you or I ever could. Lord, we cast all our care. Somebody said, I cast all my care. All the care for my children. All the care for their protection. For their health for their safety. I cast all that care onto my heavenly father who cares for me and cares for them. Father, we ask you to keep your watchful eye on them. We give angels charge over them now in Jesus name. Angels, ministering spirits, you go and you protect our children. You stand guard round about them. We pray over every school that's represented in this church. In Jesus' name, there will be no incident. There will be no accident. Tragedy is far from us. Oppression is far from us. It does not come near this family. It doesn't come near us. A thousand can fall at our side, 10,000 at our right hand, but it shall not come near our children. Our children live every day in peace. Our children live every day in safety and they will live out the full number of their days in life and in health. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We trust you, Lord. We trust you with their lives. We pray over their teachers. I ask you, Lord, that you give the right teachers to our children. Teachers that can hear your voice. Teachers that are full of your wisdom. We pray over their coaches. We pray over every influence that comes into their life. And any wrong person with a wrong motive that would say or do anything to affect our young people in a negative way, we stop it now. We stop it now. 
Satan, you will not lay a hand on our young people. They are God's property. You take your hands off of them. And in the name of Jesus, no weapon formed against them will prosper. Any tongue that rises against them in judgment, we condemn it. We stop it now in Jesus' name. I pray over their hearts, Lord, that their hearts would be safe, that their hearts would be protected, that you would hide them in the secret place of your pavilion from the strife of tongues. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Teach us, Lord, how to teach them, how to raise them in a house in an environment of faith. Oh, we bless them now in Jesus' name. Mom and dad, just put your hand on them and speak the blessing over them. Just tell them, I bless you in Jesus' name with the blessing of the Lord. We bless you. The anointing of increase is on your life. The anointing to prosper is on your life. It is not too soon and you are not too young to begin walking in your spiritual authority. It is not too soon and you are not too young to find out what God has called you to do and who God has called you to be. It is not too soon and you are not too young to learn to seek Him with your whole heart. And it's not too soon, nor is it too late for any of us in here to have a tender heart towards the things of God. Pray it out loud. Father, my heart is tender towards you and towards your word and towards your Holy Spirit. Speak to me. I'm listening. Whatever changes need to be made by your grace, by your help, I'll make the changes. Tell me what I need to stop and I'll stop it. Show me what I need to start and I'll start it. We invite you, Heavenly Father, into our homes, into our families. Make yourself real to us. Show yourself strong to us. We believe, we receive a successful school year, a prosperous year. And when we come to the end of it, we'll give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.